Hello and welcome to episode five of Love Letters to Baseball. My name is Jackson Roberts and I love baseball. Today's letter comes in from Sam Claycamp. He's a really cool dude that I met down in Miami at the 2018 Power Showcase and played at Franklin College, another D3 out in Indiana, had an incredibly successful career there. Almost thought he was going to be out of baseball and ended up going back to the independent ball route during the COVID pandemic and is about to kick off his 2021 season with the Lexington Legends in the Atlantic League, which is one of the best independent professional baseball leagues. So had a great chat with Sam. You guys know the drill. Otherwise, hit the subscribe button. Would love to catch a follow on Twitter and Instagram at LL2Baseball. But either way, going to be a great chat with Sam today. Without further ado, let's go. He is a Franklin Grizzly from 2019. He's a fellow Power Showcase participant from Miami in 2018. He is a current member of the Lexington Legends of the Atlantic League Independent Professional Baseball. And he's a really cool dude. So Sam Claycamp, welcome on. How's it going, man? It's going well. Thanks for having me on, man. Good to have you. Um, I've been realizing for for these pods that it would make a lot of sense to just kind of have people give a little bit of a self-introduction since uh, not everyone knows you like I do. So uh, what would be kind of your brief highlight baseball LinkedIn bio? So I started my, I guess, very competitive career at Columbus East High School in Columbus, Indiana. Uh, I went straight to the University of Dayton out of, uh, out of Columbus East. So I went to Dayton for a year, then transferred to Franklin College and played my last three years at Franklin College. Um, first team all-conference for those three years. Uh, first team all region my senior year we won we won our conference my junior senior year 2018 2019 we were regional teams both those years and uh, 2019 we made it the furthest uh, ever in school history which was the championship game of the regional and then out of college I took a year off just went to the workforce, not, not to my own, or not by my own will. I wanted to continue playing baseball, but um, I didn't find anywhere to play. Nobody signed me, so I just kind of wrapped it up. Um, I ended up losing my job in the summer of 2020 when COVID started. Um, I went to the tryout for the Lexington Legends in that summer they were doing the bourbon trail league um, they took a chance on me and signed me and then here we are so i've been traveling around trying to get as many games in as i can before spring training starts actually next week so that's what i'm out doing right now i just finished playing against the gary railcats in the american association um, so just finished up a game actually i'm in the car right now so I'm living on the road and playing all over the place. Hell yeah. No, I love that. And I love that there's this ability to kind of pick up and move wherever. Uh, and you're working too, correct? So you're not just playing baseball. I mean, it's really all all systems go at all times for you these days. 
Yeah, for sure. So, if you know anything about a minor league baseball player or independent league baseball player, um, they don't make a ton of money. So, you got to work when you can, and it's a grind. So, any day I'm not playing baseball, I'm pretty much working. So, financial representative with Northwestern Mutual, and then I also help my dad a little bit as well on the side of the machine shop. So, I kind of do a little bit of everything. Just yeah. whatever I can do to make some money and keep the dream alive. So, absolutely, whatever whatever makes uh, whatever fuels the career is is great. And we'll uh, we'll certainly talk a lot about you know your current situation and where you feel you're headed down the road. But I want to open up with uh, I feel like everyone kind of has that moment where you know that baseball is really something you want to attack and try to achieve as highly as you can. Some people it happens at five years old. Some people happens at 18 or 25, but uh, I think everyone has kind of a unique moment like that. And it's a good place to kind of kick off, uh, you know, your full story within the game. So when do you think that moment was for you? I don't know if there's ever a unique moment. I kind of just known that's what I wanted to do since I was, I don't know, three years old when I first started playing baseball. Um, so I played on my first team at three years old. Um, everybody else was five and six. I was I was three playing in t-ball. Um, and just from then on, I that's just kind of all my dad and I did was watch baseball. We watched Cincinnati Reds baseball all the time. And if this if the Reds weren't on, we were watching the Cubs or the Cardinals or. Honestly, anybody. If there was a baseball game on, we were going to watch it. Uh, so we watched those teams, especially the Reds. And when the Little League World Series was on, uh, we watched every single game up until I was, I don't know, 16 years old, uh, which I actually was one game away from competing in the Little League World Series when I was 12. So oh. the Little League World Series is uh, another piece of baseball for me that I – it's. Uh, kind of a romance I love that that whole part of little the Little League World Series everything about it in Little League is awesome I love that the whole organization everything about it so yeah what's the uh, what's the most memorable Little League World Series team or player that you can recall from all those years because I was watching too and I can think of some good ones so my year uh, which was 2009 we ended up getting knocked out in the regional championship game to go to the Little League World Series. So we played on ESPN still, but we lost to Team Kentucky, um, who we actually run-ruled earlier in the tournament. So it's kind of unfortunate. But my year, Chula Vista, California, had a player, Kiko Garcia. I think he was throwing like 78 miles an hour as a 12-year-old, and he was hitting. 350-foot home runs as a 12-year-old. So I would say he's the most memorable because I went and watched him play um, at, at Williamsport that year. We went we made the trip and watched. That was an, he was an unbelievable 12-year-old player. I don't mm -hmm. think that's normal for a 12-year-old to do stuff that he was doing. I know, man. And that whole team was awesome. I, that was my year, too, the same year that I, we didn't make it anywhere close to the World Series, but I was still watching pretty intently. They had, like, five yeah. kids who were unreal. It was unbelievable. Yeah, and their shortstop was great, and they had, like, a 6'5 first baseman. Somehow, 
somehow somebody beat them, but they still ended up winning the whole thing. Uh, so obviously, right. what's crazy is I've actually I actually played against two of their guys later on in college, and I don't even know how the topic got brought up, but we talked about it. Um, <laughs> I've been playing in the League World Series, so it's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, it just goes to show that, like, you're not necessarily who you're going to be at 12 because a couple of those kids were all world at 12. And obviously, you know, we're getting towards the age where people are starting to make their major league debuts. And those aren't the same guys who are doing it. So, you know, right. uh, a testament to continuing to work hard all the way through those uh, formative years. But Williamsport's got to be so cool. Like when you actually got there and saw it in person versus on TV, like what do you remember about it? It's unbelievable. Like, those fields are so pristine. Like, the amount of care. I got to actually talk to some of the grounds crew people. One of the guys, he was the, I don't even know, he was like the director of our region. So he's like the head guy of our, of the Great Lakes region. And he was, he had already talked to me when we were playing in the regional quite a few times. So when I showed up, he recognized me, and then I got a little bit of a special tour. We talked to some grounds crew and stuff. They actually cut some of the grass edges with scissors. Wow. So if that tells you anything about how pristine the field is, they take care of that field. Like, hand-cut scissors on the edge of the grass. So it's Wow. Nuts. That's so cool. Is that – Anything that you've ever seen even close to that in terms of field maintenance since in either college or pro? I don't think so, though. I don't think there's anything. Even playing at uh, the Marlins Park, I don't think it was – I don't think it was even taken care of as much as that one was. No, it was kind of out of season. Right. It was a little bit out of season. But still, a big league stadium versus a little league park, I mean, I don't – it's uncomparable. I don't think I've ever seen anything like it. If you've yeah. never been, you've got to go. Sometime in your life, you got to go. I like that. We haven't talked about uh, Williamsport or the World Series on this podcast yet. And it's not the best competitive baseball you'll ever see, but it's just such a unique cultural experience. And I hadn't even really thought about what it would be like to be there in person uh, since I kind of stopped watching the past few years. But now, that's a good sales pitch. I'm probably going to have to get on it. So for you, I mean, leading back into your career, uh, I, I wanted to bring up something that I found on the internet, which is a personal statement that you wrote when you were in high school. Uh, and it reads like this. It says, I'm a hard worker on and off the fields, and I will do what I can to make myself better as a person and player. I grew up on a farm and understand what good work ethic is and know how to get things done. So first of all, how much does that still ring true to you now? seven years later, eight years later, and what's changed for that high school kid uh, growing up on a farm since then? Um, I would say it's still pretty true. I feel like I'm grinding every single day. There's, it's nonstop. So I'm on the road. If I'm not on the road every day, I'm on the road at least five days a week going to baseball somewhere to hit, for an hour or two, three hours, four hours, whatever. Uh, get as many live at-bats as I can. Um, I try to drag as many guys with me as I can. I don't really like uh, doing baseball activity alone. I, I feel like you get a lot more out of it when you get somebody there that you're pushing and they're pushing you a little bit. So I feel like a lot of guys in my college right now, I try to drag them with me 
So if I'm going to work out at the facility, I'm trying to drag three or four of them with me to get as much work done as I can. And uh, I feel like I bother them almost because I'm, I want to go so often and work out so often. So I feel like I, I work quite a bit harder than the average guy my age in baseball, but it's just it's part of it. It's just what I love to do. It's what I want to do. So working hard in baseball is really easy. It comes easy for me because that's just what I want. I would say I'm still pretty proud of that kid in high school. So that's I'm glad that I can look back and say I'm proud of him versus saying, damn, I wish I would have done this. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Now, what, uh, out of curiosity, what farm chore or thing that you had to do growing up was most directly correlated with your success in baseball? You had to pick one. Hmm. That's a good question. I don't know. So we had animals. So I guess for a while we had baby pigs. We like we had this. We had a sow with a dozen piglets. So we had to get up every morning at five o'clock, four forty-five, five o'clock, and. Milk the piglets, the, the runs of the litter that would get in the milk. So we did that, my brother and I. And I would say that was probably the hardest thing to do is just forcing yourself to get up early. But I wouldn't, I don't know if anything directly correlates to baseball, man. I don't know. Have to imagine it's easier to wake up at all hours of the morning when you get to go play ball instead of having to milk the pigs. So if that, I mean, that's close enough, I would say. Yeah. Well, what about in terms of you obviously mentioned that you went to Dayton and things didn't quite work out. What was that period of your life? Um, You know, why was it not a step back for you? And and why was D3, you know, a viable option and, and ended up, you know, kind of leading to some really positive things for you? So I would say it's not a step back because of how much self-growth has to happen. Um, when you're the Division One school, like all you do is baseball in school. You don't really have as much time. You don't have near as much downtime. So your schedule is pretty open in D3. I mean, it's really a choice. So if you want to get better, you have that opportunity, but you have to – bring it upon yourself to do the work. Um, and it creates a different kind of love for the game. So in Division One, your schedule is pretty much created for you. You don't really have a choice. And I think that choice is really important for a lot of guys because when it's your choice to get better, you're going to put a lot more into it. Um, your heart, mind, and your soul, everything, you're going to put into it when it's not your choice and it's somebody else putting that into your schedule, it feels more forced and you're not going to put a hundred percent of your heart, mind and soul into what you're doing. So I would say that's why D3 was actually a step up um, from division one. It was a step down in the fact that it wasn't forced. So a lot of guys, had that opportunity to say, yeah, I don't feel like doing baseball today. And they wouldn't. So that's an option for Division Three. <laughs> it's not a Division One. 
that, that, Does yeah. that make sense? I experienced the same thing, absolutely. There's always going to be some guys who are just happy to be on the roster. Uh, it's a bigger roster, I think, for the most part. Or even if it's not, like, you got plenty of guys to fill out a team if the guys are all kind of putting the time in. Right. What would you say, like, what stands out from your career there? I mean, I know you guys were very successful, and I'm lucky enough to have kind of been in a similar point in time in my college career where – uh, we sort of came up with the program and, and drove the program to levels of success that it hadn't previously had. Uh, but apart from just the wins and losses on the field, uh, you know, what does Franklin baseball uh, kind of still mean to you to this day? Franklin baseball means the world to me. And I think a lot of my classmates would say the same thing. But we were every bit of a Division One team on a Division Three field. So all of our guys, when I came in my sophomore year, we were just a little above 500. We weren't fantastic, um, but we, we were good. And that's kind of when pieces started falling in place and guys realized, hey, we could really make this pretty special. So um, between my class of transfers, we had quite a few transfers uh, come in with me. Um, as well as one more later key piece, Ryan Bixler, um, who might be the greatest Franklin baseball player of all time. But all of us transfers, as well as the freshman class that came in the same year as me to Franklin. Um, it was just a, it, that group in general was unbelievable. Work ethic, unbelievable athletes, one in a hundred type group there's not gonna i hate there's not very many it doesn't happen very often bringing us all in it was a hell of a recruiting class so in general that that's what was so special is just how well we clicked as a group how hard we worked as a group and then that obviously correlated to us playing on the field and having the best record in the in the whole nation all of ncaa um by junior year, it was like we were like 35 and three coming into the regional. So it's pretty astounding. We lost three games all year. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, but I think you were like kind of underseated in that regional, and people didn't necessarily think that uh, Franklin was quite on the map yet, despite that uh, insane record you guys have put together. But I think you showed up again the next year and, and almost won that regional and kind of proved that, nah, that that's a program that's kind of here to stay. I don't know if you've been keeping tabs on them this year. How's that season going? I've not checked. So they're pretty good. Um, they're doing well. Ryan Bixler, like the, he, this is his fifth year. Um, he lost a year last year with COVID, so he came back this year and uh he's leading this team really well i mean i think he's hitting like 430 with 11 home runs 15 doubles just tearing the cover off the ball so but nick wright is still there he's hitting 350 with 10 home runs i mean that team's still crazy offensively good pitching struggles a little bit defense struggles a little bit but they're still I think they're 27 and 11, maybe. So they're they're not bad. I don't think they're ranked, but they're they're not bad. Still pretty solid team. And nobody, I mean, the D3 baseball rankings. I mean, who gives a crap, right? I mean, you win your conference it's, tournament, you get to the regional. Nobody knows anything before then. 
right. It's atrocious. The rankings are such a joke. <laughs> we played I, some ranked teams that were absolutely – they wouldn't make it out of our conference tournament. So I don't know how – I don't know how Division Three baseball ranks teams, but they need a new ranking committee for sure. It's tough. So, I mean, there's – when you're ranking college basketball teams, you get to watch some on ESPN, and there's only a hundred and something teams that are in the – conferences that matter it's d3 baseball there's 400 teams they're playing all over the country i don't know how you can uh i don't know how you can normalize for all the different levels of competition people are playing so i don't envy their job but at the same time i don't think those rankings are much of a representation of the truth so good luck to the grizzlies good luck to the grizzlies in the tournament this year though i i I got faith um i don't have a school in it this year my my team season got canceled so i'll have to pull for you it did. It did. We're one of like seven teams in all of D3 that uh, canceled their season prematurely. I think we would have been totally fine by now, but uh, we made the decision back in January. So what happened happened next year. Looking forward to it already. That sucks. Yeah, it's rough. What can you do? But I want to get into your, uh, you know, I want to learn a little bit more about some of the characteristics of that team and then you specifically there. So we're going to try out a new thing for this week called uh, it's just rapid fire. So, kicking things off, uh, what's the best post-game meal after a, a long baseball, maybe a doubleheader or something like that? The best post-game meal? When I was in Savannah 2018 summer, Coastal Plains League, it was the Florence Red Wolves. Red Wolves. They always had, um, like, smoked something, smoked brisket, smoked pulled pork out in the outfield and it was unbelievable it was the best that was by far the best oh man baseball in the south and you're gonna get some good food i've not spent enough time playing down there but that sounds pretty phenomenal uh great answer uh funniest college teammate and a funny story about them okay so funniest i would say the craziest weirdest uh, most off the wall and because of the crazy stuff he said and I don't really know what goes through his head a lot of times I would say Chandler Cardenas of Franklin just because of, I, just, I don't know that I don't know what's going through his head a hundred percent of the time so I'm gonna go with him him or Bill Leroy from the Savannah Bananas nice um favorite exercise in the weight room curls curls for the girls can't beat it curls what are, we pumping, what are we pumping out these days like how many reps and and what size dumbbells are we using uh, so my favorite workout to do with curls i call them around the world but i start with like i would start with 40s uh dumbbells and i would go 40 to 35 to 30 and just AMRAP as many reps as I can from 40, 35, 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5. And if they have anything less than that, I'll be less. And <laughs> then I go all the way back up and then all the way back down one more time. Jeez. Well, I mean, I hope, they got, I hope they got big enough jersey sleeves for you in Lexington this year in that case. I, I wish – that workout showed more than it does because like, my arms still aren't that big. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got to do what you got to do to make them look as good as possible, right? <laughs> yeah. 
Um, what is the most unique team name you've ever seen on a baseball field, either college, travel ball, pro, whatever? Uh, I've got to say the Savannah Bananas probably. <laughs> and that's close to home for you as well, so tough. Right. What was the, the team that you were playing against in the Savannah Showcase? I mean, they had a pretty ridiculous name too. I can't remember what it was. The Party Animals. So there you go. I mean, the bananas party animals every night. How are you going to beat that? Right. Or making the making bacon. I, you know, you might be able to say the making bacon just it's, because it's like I'm making bacon. Yeah. Well, it's also inseparable, right? Like they're rivals and they're uh, down there in Georgia and they're both named after delicious foods that you'd probably eat in the morning. So we'll just call it 1A and 1B and, and leave it at that, I think. It was tough to beat. For sure. Uh, current walk-up song. Oh, I changed this a lot. I would say my current one, the most recent one I did was I Love This Life by Low Cash. But that being said, I would say the greatest is Cowboy by Kid Rock or Save a Horse, Ride a Cowboy by um, Big and Rich. So those are my top three. That's a good list. Uh, I Love This Life was uh, Andrew Benintendi's for the entire time he was with the Red Sox. So I have to imagine he's keeping that going in Kansas City as well. But uh, when you hear the major leaguers, like some of them get to choose two or three per game, and he just stuck with that one every time. So whenever I go to Fenway in the summer, like that song will be stuck in my head all night. Lastly, just best memory you have from playing the game of baseball, like one particular game or moment. There's, oh, man, there's so many moments. Um, I still remember I still remember my first home run when I was nine years old and giving my dad a big hug. I still remember uh, Little League World Series. We, I won the little – I won state twice the state of Indiana and Little League twice. So the dog pile um, there, winning conference, the conference tournament at Franklin two times, um, the dog piles, the locker room. The, I mean, there's so many memories from baseball that when I got the call from the Lexington Legends, um, giving my parents a hug, getting to call my family and, telling them the news. Um, I mean, all those things are, like, right there together. So they're all pretty special. I like it. And that's, you know, I think the longer you can keep it going, the longer you get to continue to make memories like that. And it is tough to separate one from the other. But that's why we play the game and why we – continue to play the game even at this age when there's lots of other things that could probably be making you lots more money so uh, I love that list uh, we'll get back into some more of the Lexington stuff soon but want to bounce into our other segments and the first one of those is going to be self trivia so I don't know how well you think you know yourself but uh, I've been on Google this week and I learned a lot so I want to see and these are not easy questions in terms of like how many home runs did you hit or anything like that so uh, I hope you brought your A game today. Okay I'll, I'll do my best. All right let's see what we got. Question number one. So according to PBR Indiana so back in the day high school the 
rankings tracking system, uh, what was your high school 60-yard dash time? I'll give you 0.1 seconds of leeway on either side. Slow. <laughs> uh, was it a 7-2? I'm giving it to you. 7-2-6. Uh, okay. You know what? You know, that, that's faster than mine, I have to confess. I was 6'3", 180 pounds, and just a mess of limbs back then, so... <laughs> Seven two middle infielder. I've seen much worse. And I recall you hitting the ball a lot further than me in college. So I'd say you can afford to be slower than me because I didn't hit the ball very far. Yeah, well, you got to put those long limbs to use eventually, right? Like you just got to spend two or three years in the weight room training them up, and then they're an advantage. But high school, I was a mess. So seven two <laughs> seven two six, nothing to be ashamed of. But uh, that's one point. Uh, this is going to be out of six, so our current lead is four and a half. If you could be four and a half, you'd be in a really good spot for the top of the leaderboard. Um, okay. Question two. I know you said that your freshman year at Dayton didn't go as planned necessarily, but uh, how many errors did you make in the field that year? I didn't make any errors. That is correct. Trick question. The, the hitting might not have been great. Fielding, spotless. 18 chances, 18 plays made. Well done. Uh, we're two for two. Uh, question three. Which of these is a higher number for you during your Franklin career? So just those three years. Runs scored or RBI runs driven in? Uh, RBIs. That is incorrect. We had really? 143 runs. Uh, I think you led the team at least one of those years. I should have gone back and checked. But 143 and then 133 RBIs, which is still a crazy number of RBIs to have in three years in D3 schedule. But a lot of runs. That team was scoring. Yeah, that team scored a lot of runs. <laughs> yeah, and where were you batting in the order? I hit third from, I don't know, I think it was the third or fourth game my sophomore year was the first time I hit third, and then I hit third from that game all the way through senior year. So wow. pretty much every game out of that, Franklin. I like it. I like it. The three spot is not dead. It's still an important spot in the batting order as much as folks want to put the guys in the two and the four holes nowadays. Um, so Absolutely. We're, we're at two. Uh, question number four. So between your sophomore year, your junior year, and your senior year, you look at them all individually, which was the year where you had the lowest ground out to fly out ratio? So the year that you were hitting the most fly balls and the fewest ground balls. That was a good question. I'm going to say my – hold on. Lowest, so I hit more fly balls? More fly balls, fewer ground balls. Junior year? It is sophomore year. So a lot really? Of, a lot of people say, like, you know, you train your swing for launch angle, like hitting the ball in the air is good. But, uh, you know, it's not like your sophomore year was bad by any means. I think it was actually pretty great. But uh, it was the, the lowest batting average year but the highest fly ball ratio. Guess, uh, guess there's a number at which launch ankle equals bad, but still. My lowest, lowest batting average year would have been my junior year, though. True. But didn't you hit the most home runs that year? Or yes. is it off base? Okay. Maybe I was looking at OPS then. But, yeah, there, was, there were a lot of fly balls that sophomore year and not many ground balls. Question number five. Uh, we're two, two for four here. We can pull this back in. Uh, in the Atlantic League, which you're about to be a member of for the first time this year, there are eight teams, and your team, the Lexington Legends, are you in the North or the South Division of the Atlantic League? Uh, south. That is correct. So that is one point. And then the sixth point, 
can you name the other three teams in the South with the Lexington Legends? And I'll give you a half point if you get two of them. The West Virginia Power. Correct. And Gastonia uh, Badgers. <laughs> I don't think they're called the Badgers anymore. You know what they're called? They're the Gastonia Honey Hunters. Honey Hunters. That is a It's a honey badger, though. Yeah, it's close. It's close. We're in half-point territory. Let's see if you can get the third one. You'll for sure get that. Right. Trying to think here. Try, I mean, I know the so York, Blue Crabs, the Ducks, they've all got to be North, right? I'm drawing a big blank. Yeah. Your hint is that it's a, it's a former minor league club that doesn't have a very creative name. Former minor league club. Oh, gosh. It used to be the – the Sugarland Skeeters. Um, that used to be in the South Division of the Atlantic League, but I think they're Triple A now. I think they got promoted, so yeah, they're gone. I don't know. It's I'm the high the point. Time. It's the high point Rockies. High point Rockers. Gosh, Rock, Rockies, isn't it? It's just the old Rockies minor league team, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, I didn't know that. Hey, I mean, we'll give you a half point because you definitely got West Virginia, and I think Gastonia was close enough, so. Well done. Three and a half. That puts you right smack in the middle of the leaderboard. And that is not a bad place to be when I'm coming up with the question. So I'm still well bumped. I'm still bumped. <laughs> I'm disappointed in myself. Hey, you know what? It happens. Some of those were a little obscure, you know. Not your fault that you didn't know that you were a run scoring machine and your teammates were all driving you in every time well, you got I should have I should have guessed that because I hit in front of Frank Podkle and Nick Wright, who I I don't know if Frank's on the RBI record book, but I know Nick is now. I think Nick is the – I think he holds the record at Franklin for RBIs, and I hit in front of him, so I should have probably figured that out. But, oh, well. Irregardless, you have done yourself proud, um, but it is now time to move to our final segment, which is the draft segment. So, hope you brought your A game today because uh, we haven't even talked all that much about your versatility on the field, but you are a utility man. Uh, you can play the outfield, you can play the infield. So we are going to draft the best utility players in Major League Baseball from our lifetimes. And this is where we get to get creative and, and reminisce about some guys we'd love to see play. So as a guest, you have the choice here. Would you like the first pick or would you like the second two picks? And then we'll just go one and one back and forth after that. I'll take the second two. All right. Well, that leaves me to lead off, and, and I like that because I had a guy that I identified as number one on my board, uh, and that is going to be Tampa Bay Ray and Chicago Cub legend Ben Zobrist. So this guy, this guy played left field, right field, third base, second base, shortstop, and first base the year that the Cubs won the World Series. Uh, his 2009 season, about six war, which for like a true utility guy just doesn't happen. He pretty much invented the utility position that a lot of these teams are carrying nowadays. Whereas before it was like just a guy off the bench that could, you know, plug and play for someone every day. Ben Zobris like made it a thing like, no, if you can play all these positions and you can rack up some war and, and help the team out by shifting around every day, then you can get yourself paid. So I like that. I want Zob on my team because I think in terms of true utility guys, he's the most productive one. I agree with you on that. Uh, that that would have been my first pick. I think um, I think you can argue it a little bit 
Well, that's what but we're here for. I, I think you're correct. Um, right now, I'm pretty high on a couple guys that I, they're neck and neck for me. I, one of them is Kike Hernandez, um, just because he can play everywhere. I think they said he can even catch. Um, and just the sheer grit of him, like he does every he does it all. So in the big moment, that's the guy I want at the plate, and I can throw him at any position. So I'm going to say Kike Hernandez, and I think he just recently got paid pretty well by Boston, right? Not bad. I mean, he's he's making a nice chunk of change this year, and yeah, I love. I mean, he was a. He's, he's pretty much the everyday center fielder for the Red Sox right now just because that's what they needed him to be. But he can plug in right. anywhere if they need him. Played, yeah, played some shortstop, second base. I think he played third base and first base. So that's pretty much everywhere. That's a strong uh, pick. Strong pick. Uh, the next guy I'm going to say, Marwin Gonzalez. Teammate. Uh, just because of his bat. Yeah, he plays just about everywhere as well. So he does, and he's uh, his 2017 numbers. He's about a league average hitter for the majority of his career, which is still super valuable when you're a utility guy. But in 2017, which was also obviously the year the Astros won the World Series, Marlon Gonzalez was doing the damn thing. Um, I believe he ended up with like an 850 OPS, if I'm not mistaken. Checking it up right now, but yeah, I mean that dude. He's a great defender at multiple positions. Like, he can obviously handle things in the outfield. But, yeah, I mean, his uh, his glove at second base is, like, well above average, I would say. And he's been there pretty much every day for the Sox this year. So, I like that. And, yeah, 907 OPS in 2017 for the World Championship. Not bad. Not bad whatsoever. Not bad. Not bad. And he played left field, shortstop, first base, second base, third base, DH, and right field for them that year. So, pretty pretty class pick right there. I like it. Um, for sure. Both of those guys were high on my board, so I only get one pick this time around. Uh, I'm going to go for a guy who hasn't been around for a while, but he was another one of the originals, I think. And I loved having him on my fantasy team back when I played fantasy baseball as like a 12-year-old, taking – Angels legend, Sean Figgins. Uh, I just, first of all, great name. Baseball is all about the name. Uh, and then if you look at, I mean, he had 22 career war. Very solid. Uh, he finished top 25 in the MVP four times. So nothing to be ashamed about. Led the league in walks in 2009. Uh, so dude's getting on base and he can play absolutely anywhere. So I'm taking big Sean on my team. Yeah, I definitely uh... – I definitely thought about picking him. It was just one that I didn't watch him play quite as much, being from – I mean, he was out west a lot of his career. So I didn't get to see him play as much. But definitely somebody that I probably should have picked in those top two. So I thought about it. And honestly, I kind of was banking on you not picking him. So <laughs> I would him at three. But. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm glad to have him. And you know what? Also an alum of Brandon High School in Florida, where my college coach also went. So shout out to the – I don't even know what their mascot is, but shout out to Brandon, shout out to Coach Midkiff. Okay, so that makes things a little more difficult for me here. I'll go with David Fletcher. Solid. For the, for the Angels. Just because he just got a 
a hell of a big contract with them. So for a for a utility player, he signed a really nice contract. Can't be mad about that. And yeah, he's uh, five year, twenty six million right now, signed through twenty twenty five. Not doing it with the bat quite yet so far this year. Uh, last year was outstanding with the bat and obviously can play all over the field. So super valuable. Top 20 in the MVP voting last year. Still only making $2 million this year before that contract really kicks in. So I like that. And he's, he's going to be there for a long time. I like, I like him as just a piece to have in your clubhouse as well. Right. For all sure. Right. All right. Sixth overall pick. It gets a little dicey on some of these guys, whether they're eligible. I think I've got the vibe that we're going with. So I'm going to say, like, we're not picking Cody Bellinger. We're not picking Chris Bryant. Like, those guys aren't true utilities. So they were on my board, but I'm going to X them off. I don't think they're utility right. enough. Well, I, I thought about Bryant. It's hard to take a lefty because lefties are so limited on positions. True. They really only have four positions that they can play. Yeah, um, I think Brian, Chris, Chris Bryant's one that could be, but he doesn't play anywhere else enough. Yeah, got I, think, I think you got to play three positions to be a true utility guy. I don't think you can be like a third baseman slash left fielder or a third like third baseman slash first baseman. Like you gotta you gotta get some time at multiple spots. Uh, yeah, which he has played center field some this year, yeah. um, and he he has played some shortstop, but. He just doesn't play it very often. It's not yeah. like he's probably going to play center field a lot this year for the Cubs, and he's going to play a lot of first base for the Cubs. So it's not as much bouncing around. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave him off because I think they're they're a little decimated right now, and I think you just you want him for the bat more so than for the glove anyway. Um, I'm gonna stick to guys who can play up the middle, and I'm gonna take if the board does get thin. I'm gonna take my guy. I'm gonna take Brock Holt. So. He's not as much right now doing it, but he was an all-star at one point. He hit for the cycle in the playoffs, and he is the ultimate clubhouse guy either way. So whether or not he's, like, really providing you with, like, the advanced stats these days and, and putting runs up on the board, like, that's a guy you want around. Rangers love him in the clubhouse. He's got the mustache. He's doing all sorts of stuff in the community. Um, but he, you know, 2015 Brock Holt, look up the numbers. He was pretty legit. And, uh, you know, he's, he's just always been a great guy to have around. He can play absolutely anywhere. He's even pitched before. So, I'll take it. I like it. Uh, this one is one that I consider him a utility player because he changed positions pretty often, from what I recall. Uh, Howie Kendrick. Mm. He was on my board, definitely. Yeah. So he had an awesome career, and I don't think I realized how good of a career he had until I looked it up. I looked it up actually before we even had the conversation of doing this draft. So because I was just curious when he retired, actually, I was like, I wonder how he had, like, what kind of career he had. He had an awesome career, really. So I, th I felt like he, I probably actually could have drafted him a lot higher. Yeah, I could have too. You know what? I'm going to say it right now, first time I've ever said that in the history of this draft. I should have taken Howie Kendrick. Brock Holt would have been there for me later on. And, yeah, his numbers are great. Been in the league since 2006, I believe. So how many years is that where he was above league average offensively? 11 times he's been above an 100 OPS plus. So, I mean, the dude's raked for a long time. He's played every position you can think of. Uh, not a lot of shortstop, but he could if you needed him to. And World Series – or no, uh, 
AL or NLDS MVP. So great guy to have around. And the World Series champion. That's well, pretty awesome to throw on the title too. Absolutely. And he's been a lot of uh, – he hasn't been that many places. Like you see these guys get kicked around a lot when they're like versatile. Um, mm-hmm. he, you know, he's kind of your true utility who is still a franchise cornerstone for a long time with L.A. and then even the past few years in Washington. So great pick. Next up for me, I'm going to uh, go Matt Carpenter. I think he counts because he can play anywhere on the infield. Hasn't done much in the outfield. Uh, but but he's still played outfield, so. Yeah, he has before. And, you know, his main thing is, you know, you can flip him around anywhere you want to on the infield and he'll be productive. Uh, he hasn't done it recently in the past couple of years, but at his best, I mean, he finished fourth in the MVP one year and he's won a silver slugger before. Uh, that 2013 version of Matt Carpenter might be the best single offensive season we've talked about so far. So uh, for fourth-round value, even though his peak was pretty short, uh, I like that as a value pick. I agree. That was a, definitely a good pick. He was on my – I thought about it too. He was just tougher for me to pick uh, just because of his recent years, and it kind of stuck in my head too much. They've stuck in mine too, but yeah, if you look at like six-year period from – 13 to 18 he was really really good yeah absolutely that was a good that was definitely a good pick yeah four-time all-star uh three times top 12 in the mvp and a silver slugger award so can't complain so does what is about daniel murphy is he too much of a second baseman um i'll let you make the call on that one if you want daniel murphy on your team i think i'll allow it i mean he's he's played a little bit of outfield before yeah Played some outfield. I think he played some third base and first base. I don't know if he played shortstop, but. He's, he's listed at three positions on baseball reference, and he's played some left field early in his career. So you want Daniel Murphy, you can take him here. Okay, I'm going to take Daniel Murphy then. All right. And I just want to make one note. So the best all-time utility player, one of the best all-time players in general, is my guy Pete Rose. Pete Rose would be the number one pick of this draft, hands down, bar none, not even close. Played all over the place, wherever the team needed him. He is the best. You know, I love that shout out. And he, I, you know, I didn't get to watch him growing up. Obviously, you read about Pete Rose as a baseball fan, uh, but I'm sure being from Cincinnati, I mean, that guy's pictures and numbers are scattered everywhere. Um, But I don't, I don't want to gloss over Daniel Murphy either because. Uh, we just talked about maybe Matt Carpenter having the best offensive season of anyone on this list. Daniel Murphy in 2016 was way better than any Matt Carpenter season. He finished second in the MVP voting, had a 985 OPS, which led the National League uh, within his first year at the Nationals. So I don't want to gloss over that either. I mean, talk a little bit about Daniel Murphy here. Yeah, he is unbelievable. Um, there's a reason. I mean, there's a reason he went out and got paid. Um, there's a reason that. The Cubs wanted him late in his career still. He was a playoff freak, kind of like a David Freese. Like nobody really – you know, people paid attention to him because he was having a great year, obviously. But once he went to the playoffs the one year, whatever year that was, he went to the playoffs yeah. and he just like exploded. Like that was – you couldn't get him out. That's all I remember from that playoff year was – Daniel Murphy never getting out. So it was awesome. That kind of, yeah. I mean, that kind of put him on the map. 
and then you started looking back and it's like, okay, this guy's had a really good career. Kind of flew under the radar. So yeah. 796 career OPS in a 12 year career. I mean, a lot of guys would kill for that. Um, three time all-star, uh, the two back-to-back silver sluggers in 16 and 17 with Washington, like that dude, he had a, he had kind of a late peak and he, uh, he fizzled out pretty quick after that. He's not on a roster this year, but yeah, that, that little 15 to 18 window for Daniel Murphy was pretty spectacular. So definitely a very solid choice there. I got to round us out here. Last pick of the draft. Uh, someone say Mr. Irrelevant. And I'm kind of between two guys. And I think I'm going to take the guy that is a little bit older. And I just remember a little bit better from his early years than most recently. So uh, 27 career war. Uh, above average hitter and can play all over the field. I'm taking Martin Prado, uh, really solid guy for the Braves for a long time. Had an all-star season back in 2010 where he was 809 OPS and played all the infield positions uh, and finished ninth in the MVP voting and has also uh, led the league in grounding into double plays. So congrats <laughs> to him for uh, – you know, he played until he couldn't run anymore, and that's all any of us really ever want to do. So big respect to Martine. Absolutely. That was a really good pick. I, I I had him as well, and I thought about it, and I just I just didn't pull the trigger once again. I probably could have flopped him with Fletcher, to be honest with you. I think he's probably better than Fletcher. So Yeah. Well, oh, well. Rock Holt is the – Brock Holt is the 10th best player taken in this draft, and I just wanted to let him know that I got your back, Brock. Um, (laughs) Well, my favorite utility player in the game right now, I couldn't even – like, he wouldn't even probably make your board. Like, you wouldn't even think about it. But uh, it's a Reds guy right now, Kyle Farmer. He's not even – he's good. He's good. I think he's a really good ball player, but he's not even league average right now, so – He'll make it. But I'm a huge fan of the guy. <laughs> hey, you know so, what? I got, I got faith in him. He's your guy. Give, Let's ride for him. Kyle Farmer. Yeah, I'm giving him the shout out here. I like it. I don't, he's not the top ten. He's not a top ten utility guy right now. But, hey, he's a catcher. He's literally a true catcher, but a college shortstop. Uh, plays everywhere. Does it all. So, I give him a shout out. I like it. Uh, and my other shout-out was Chris Taylor. I could have taken him at the end there. It was between him and Prado. So I wanted to make sure his name got mentioned. Uh, very solid player for a long time. Um, I wanted to draft him as well, but it was between him and Kike Hernandez. So it's like, okay, those two are on the same team the majority of their career. Which guy is more important to that team? And I thought, personally, I thought Kike was, even though I think Chris Taylor was probably in the lineup more often than Kike even. So. Yeah, I'd say if you're going for, like, consistency over 162 for the Dodgers in those years, it probably goes to Taylor. Um, but if you're going for, like, playoff moments and just overall being, like, you know, maybe more of a, uh, a part of the clubhouse, uh, you probably go Kike. But Taylor was great in 17. Uh, he was still really solid in 18 and 19. He was kind of great again last year, uh, just in a shortened season. And he's off to a really good start this year. So I don't want to discount him here. He definitely deserves a shout out. Ever since he came to LA, he's been a monster, actually. But 
That's going to conclude our draft. We're going to put the graphic up on Instagram as usual. And I will just say I'm 3-0 so far in the fan voting. So maybe this is the week that somebody takes me down. I think Sam's got a really solid team, but got to leave that up to the people. I, uh, I gave I gave DMAC the vote on you guys this week, I think. I'm pretty sure I voted for Dakotas that week. I mean, you also texted me afterwards saying that you thought Dakotas was terrible, so maybe you were just doing it to pump him up a little bit. But I did? <laughs> you said, like, what was he thinking? I think uh, – Oh, no, you're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> I have voted for yours all three times. For some oh. reason, I was – yeah, you're right. I, I voted for yours all three times. Hey, I take my statement back. I've done a good job so far. I'll, I'll brag. So, you know what? I think this is the closest race so far, and I wouldn't put it past you to beat me in the votes this week. So, we'll see how it comes out. Uh, this one's probably the most off-the-wall odd one that a lot of people won't know yeah. quite as much about because they're not superstar players, really. They're utility guys. So, utility guys are typically under-the-radar guys. I love it. Well, that's what, that's the definition of being a grinder. And that's why I think we drafted 10 of those uh, 10 guys that anyone would be lucky to have on their roster. So uh, sure. that's a really solid draft and uh, glad that we were able to get that in today, but uh, just wrapping up here before we, you know, kind of really close things out. Um, you know, what are your goals for this season and what are your goals uh, for your baseball career moving forward? Like what is the end game and, and what's kept you coming back year after year? Specific goals um, right now is to be solidified on a roster. So I'm, I'm in spring training with Lexington, uh, going into spring training with no contract. So I would like to get a contract for a year or two. Um, and that's just earning that spot. So if I keep swinging the bat the way I am, I'll find a spot somewhere, I think. Um, it's just a matter of finding somebody to take a chance on me. So that's, that's a goal that's kind of out of my control because I could hit a 1,000 and it's still – I still don't get to pay myself. <laughs> so I, I, can't, I can't sign myself to a contract. So uh, I can only do what I can do. So my personal goal would be, I like to say quality at bats. I want to have a 600 quality at bat percentage at minimum, uh, with the goal of 650 quality at bat percentage. So that's a hard hit ball, a walk, uh, an at bat with more than eight pitches. All of those would count as a quality at bat, as well as a hit. If I could do, if I could be 650 on my quality at-bat percentage and field 975 on the year, I'll be pretty happy. I like it. Well, that's that's going to be a solid year, and I'm going to be following from afar. So hopefully be able to hold you to all those goals. But this game has meant a lot to both of us. And I've basically spent five episodes so far just talking about why baseball means so much to me. But uh, I want to hear it from you, and I want to hear, you know, kind of what your – sales pitch would be to somebody who's, you know, not necessarily a fan, but also a little bit of what your thank you note would be for what baseball has done for you. So what does baseball mean to you at this point in life? So this is the love letter part of the segment. This is what you need to call it. That's the love letter part. Um, so what I love about baseball. So what I love about baseball is the, the unknown of the game. So there's so much in the game that is – unknown and un, not even understandable. So the very best team in the world could 
very much lose to the worst team in the world to tomorrow. So it's it's not like football where the, the best team usually wins. The best team in baseball can lose just as easily. Um, I don't think anybody in the world knows everything about baseball. So there's just so much to learn and continually grow from. And there's also so much failure in the game. Um, so you learn that failure is so much a part of life and you learn how to grow from it and you, know, you get better from day to day. And I think that's, that's the best part about baseball is learning how to fail. So I would tell any parent, if you want your kid to be successful in life, baseball is a really good way to teach them because failure is so much a part of life and failure is baseball. You're, if you play baseball, you're going to fail. If you're a hitter, you're going to fail seven out of ten times, and you're still pretty damn good. So that's what I love the most about the game is the, the, what's not understood about it and then the failure part. I think that's what, that's what I love so much about it. Love it. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing more about the successes this year than the failures, but you know what? You're going to take those failures, you're going to bounce off your shoulders, you're going to be a better person for it. So, great love letter. Thank you so much for coming on, man. Keep in touch, and I hope to hear nothing but positive things from the career moving forward, but what you've already accomplished to date is more than most people get to. So, uh, enjoy your season, and, and best of luck the rest of the way. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on. This is really cool, and I definitely love the name Love Letters to Baseball because – I mean, you could write so many love letters to that game, how much the game has given you and I both, really, um, and so many other people that get to experience great things through that sport. So it's pretty pretty special, and I appreciate your podcast. It's pretty cool. So, Well, thank you. That's a ringing endorsement, and I uh, hope to have you back on at some point. But signing off for now, thank you, Sam. Take care.